2: Good evening and welcome to the Gemini meeting in London. We are broadcasting the evening tonight via blog talk radio. And so we welcome to those who are listening in and meditating with us this evening from afar. Tonight we celebrate the last of the three spiritual festivals of 2011 known as the Christ Festival. This always falls in the sign of Gemini, and it's been described as the force which produces the changes needed for the evolution of the Christ consciousness at any particular point in time and space. We learn that Gemini is one of the most important of all the 12 signs, and that its influence lies behind every one of them. Because the ray of love wisdom, the second ray, pours through Gemini, it emphasizes how true is the occult teaching that love underlies the entire universe. God is love, we are assured, and this statement is both an exoteric and an esoteric truth. What better sign, then, for us to celebrate World Invocation Day a day when people across the world have been consciously evoking an outpouring of divine love to restore the plan on earth with heartfelt fiery aspiration and focused intention throughout the day. The power of invocation, generating an outpouring of divine love in times of pain and difficulty, creates a funnel of sound through alignment, A cry which is always answered from the place to where it is directed. There is an immense invocation on this day as the meditations and the heartfelt prayers of the many are directed towards the Christ on behalf of humanity and are heard on the inner planes where the vibratory force is focused and used as a transmitting wave to respond with the needed power of will and love. To invoke the Christ is not something we just do through meditation and use of the great invocation. To invoke is to use sound, to call the Christ all day and every day through a particular sound or resonance that we set up through the way we live our lives. There's a way of living in the immediate moment that produces a state of tension that emits a subtle harmonic sound, rather than the strident note that the personality usually emits. This sound is strong and pure, and it naturally rises to the ears of those on the inner side of life. By living a purposeful life where our motives are pure and spiritual, We are naturally calling the Christ, and it's something we can have at the back of our mind at all the time. The sound we will notice emanates from the heart and intensifies our sense of purpose in the world. For purpose is not so much what we intend to physically or actively do, it's an alignment with the soul and through the soul with the Christ force or principle. The pure, exalted sound of the approaching Christ keeps our spirits above the stormy waters of physical plane life, allowing us to lift and save those who are drowning in the ocean of matter. To keep our inner ear attuned to the sound of the approaching Christ forms the bedrock of what we could call invocative living. It concerns the wise and economic invocation and evocation of spiritual energy. Just as a ceremonial ritual magnetizes the environment through repetitive movement, chanting and the enunciation of sacred texts, such as occurs at the Wessex Festival. So in a lesser sense, does living a simple rhythmic life focused on the essential. Just taking time to periodically sit in quietness swells the invocative sound that we are nurturing deep within to help construct the pathway of light for the descent of the Christ. In this noisy and restless world, we have to learn how to take time to be alone with a still, quiet voice within rather than constantly running away from ourselves and hiding in the distractions and non-essential activities of life. And as we live a purposeful and pure life, energy is not wasted. And if we had sight on the subjective side of life, we would see that we are forming geometrical patterns and rhythms of energy that evoke higher spiritual potency. Using an analogy of a stringed instrument, Living the invocative life in this way keeps the strings of consciousness taught, tuned and responsive to the touch of the master musician, the soul. The habitual use of the great invocation is a way of keeping these strings taught and our minds and hearts in tune with the sound of the coming one. It also keeps us in alignment with the center where the will of God is known, Shambhala, touching a chord deep within our psyche that resounds to the divine chorus and grants us the power to keep serving the strength and fortitude. Enunciating the great invocation as if it is issuing forth from deep within our souls, sees us take our stand in the chorus of souls that we call the spiritual hierarchy ensuring a direct and continuous inflow of the will nature to restore the plan on earth. The more we can attain a degree of group consciousness to sound the great indication in this way, the more the synchronization of the note of humanity with the note of hierarchy occurs, and we are assured that there will come a dynamic and immediate response from Shambhala. The interplay of this demand-response pattern has the capacity to become one of the greatest liberating forces for humanity. For us to have been entrusted with the use of this invocation to bring forth the will to love is the greatest of privileges. It bestows tremendous responsibility on all of us who recognize its authenticity as a mantra ordained by the Christ and the spiritual hierarchy. Through its correct use, we can rise to meet the challenge of subjectively presenting to humanity a fresh vision of a compelling and conditioning nature. If a worldwide group can stand together with one united invocative spirit, results are inevitable. As the law of invocation and evocation is simple, That which is evoked always responds and responds in proportion to the power of the invocation made. So let's take a moment now to align ourselves with the higher planetary centers and then sound together the great invocation, the Christ's own mantra, with a united and dynamic intention. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and life work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells let light and love and power restore the plan of earth mm. the main factor preventing a completely unimpeded sequence of impressions from Shambhala, right down into the mineral kingdom, via all the other kingdoms, is this factor of human free will, resulting in karmic responsibility, and when we look around the world, what evidence do we see that humanity is clearing its karma and starting to work with the will nature, in accordance with divine purpose. Perhaps the outstanding symbol of the United Nations, whose world work continues, despite the insuperable problems has faced down the years. Its struggles are not surprising though, as the General Assembly is like a huge clearinghouse for obstructing forces to the plan. Virtually all of the world's nations gather here to try and resolve differences And all nations are at different stages of development, just as human beings are. And with this in mind, it's clear what an impressive organ of the will to good the UN is proving to be. It is to the UN that we should look primarily when thinking of the Christ festival, as it's also the festival of humanity and of goodwill. It represents the closest thing we have as a race, to an alignment with the will of God. When the UN convenes and councils, there's a sense of a higher power at work that often manages to achieve a measure of reconciliation, despite seemingly difficult forces arrayed against it. The UN represents reconstruction, consensus, and planning and through its ever-broadening responsibilities and diversification, it's instrumental in clearing the way for the future externalization of the inner ashram. Its mandate is to hear the cry of humanity and to respond. The UN is like a lotus flower with a central jewel energized by the avatar of synthesis. For we're told that this great life will as much of his influence as allowed by human karma, overshadowing the General Assembly in the attempt to unite the nations of the world through the power of synthesis that is the natural expression of his life force. And we can deem from this that the Christ mission is not about spreading a sweet and sentimental kind of love around the world it will be far more impersonal and grand than the personal comforting type of emotion that we often mistake for love. Furthermore, the Christ is coming this time round with the will aspect of love, the electric or dynamic aspect. And when we pause to consider this, we can see how the UN more closely represents this force than we might at first think. The UN has played a role in bringing about independence in more than 80 countries, and there are currently more than 100,000 peacekeepers in 16 peacekeeping operations around the world. Its work with human rights, health, education, the needs of women and children in the least developed countries, in particular, are all proof of a love that by a will to heal, to right wrongs and to create a more harmonious world. Through its agencies and the many NGOs and serving groups worldwide, the UN is taking up humanity's cup of karma and through conscious will, beginning to drink its bitter draught in the clear light of day. An ancient catechism explains that on An individual basis, this cup is forcefully held to the lips of the dismayed pilgrim by the lords of karma until the time comes when he willfully lifts it from their hands to drink until the last drop is gone. The four lords of karma then release the cup of karma, allowing the lords of cosmic love to mix another sweeter, cooling draught. The point is made that until the cup of karma has been drained and the lessons of selfish behavior learned, it cannot safely hold within the potencies of love and will that are later given. Significantly, in the sign of Gemini, which rules the opposites, we think of the UN's work in reconciling the opposites of east and west, north and south rich and poor, and forging that middle path taught by the Christ brother, the Buddha, to bring about a blending and fusing on a higher level of all the different nationalities and cultures of the world, thereby making of the human kingdom one integrated center of force within the body of the planetary Logos. Humanity is already beginning to live the invocative life through the agency of people of goodwill who are demanding that right action and values are taken in local and national governance, in international relations, and in the economic field. And through the communication systems, social networking sites, and instant access to information, the now generation, as it is called, expresses a greater sense of the other, a concern for the rights and well-being of people in other lands that transcends national boundaries. The psychological distance between people seems to be lessening, and it's significant that for so many people, physical barriers no longer form an obstacle to the identity of their common humanity. This process is all part of the science of social evolution which in reality is the science of invocation and evocation as right relationships are brought about by mutual invocation producing a responsive process which is one of evocation. This science can be applied as legitimately to groups, nations and humanity itself as it can be applied to the individual aspirant on the path of return. And we are told that it lies behind all conscious awakening of the centers and their interrelation. It lies behind the rapport between man and man, group and group, and eventually between nation and nation. It is this indication and the consequent evocation which eventually relates soul and personality and soul and monad. It is the outstanding objective of humanity's appeal to God, to the hierarchy, and to the spiritual powers of the cosmos, no matter by what name you call them. The appeal goes forth. The invocation of humanity can and will and must evoke response from the spiritual hierarchy and give the first demonstration upon a large scale of this new esoteric science. Esoteric because it's based on sound. Having a goal in life is to live invocatively. A thought form of the desired goal has been constructed. And through it, energy pours in response to sustained aspiration. Therefore, one of the most important things we can do in service of the plan is to bring energy into our lives by having a clear spiritual goal and by releasing that which obscures our view of it. To do this, we have to practice the art of relinquishment wholeheartedly so that spiritual quality replaces form as the main focus of our attention and becomes that aspect in people and our surroundings that we communicate with and relate to. As every manifesting form is destined for change and transmutation anyway, it is futile to identify with it and painful too. Spiritual quality is the true constant in life that never dies. For it is the Christ force and only grows more beautiful and profound as the heart is steadily opened up to it. When we willingly acquiesce and lift our consciousness to the Christ, we find we are constantly charged with creative power. And we can move with freedom creatively weaving in and out of the life wave in order to manifest aspects of the plan. We can visualize thousands of people all over the world coming together subjectively to do this as one on World Indication Day, which is, as the name suggests, the supreme moment of the year for invoking the energies of both the Christ and of humanity. The sign of Gemini provides the force field in which this magnetic tension can develop and right relationships can be established on Earth. It is a sign that symbolizes the fusion of higher and lower energies and the appearance of the path between the pairs of opposites. Gemini is sometimes called the constellation of the resolution of duality into a fluid synthesis. Governing as it does all the pairs of opposites in the zodiac, Gemini preserves the magnetic interplay between them, keeping them fluid in their relations in order eventually to facilitate their transmutation into unity, for the two must finally become the one. So let us finish by Reflecting on an ancient stanza about the past, remembering that it is through invocative living that the path is built and also that the path is trodden. The path that is trodden by the server is the path of fire that passes through his heart and leads to the head. It is not on the path of pleasure nor on the path of pain, that liberation may be taken or that wisdom comes. It is by the transcendence of the two, by the blending of pain and pleasure, that the goal is reached. That goal that lies ahead, like a point of light seen in the darkness of a winter's night, that point of light may call to mind the tiny candle in some attic drear, but as the path that leads to that light is trodden through the blending of the pairs of opposites, that pinpoint cold and flickering glows with steady radiance until the warm light of some blazing lamp comes to the mind of the wanderer by the way. Pass on, O pilgrim, with steady perseverance, No candlelight is there, nor earth lamp fed with oil. Ever the radiance grows until the past ends. So now we'll go into meditation tonight. We'll be using the letting and the light meditation outline, and our seed thought, which we've been using throughout the conference period, is let the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship. We'll say together the stage of group fusion, the lower interlude, and distribution at the end, the great invocation. Letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. group brothers and all that I have is theirs May the love which is in my soul pull forth to them May the strength which is in me lift and aid them May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them Alignments, we project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, and the great ashram, the Santa Kamara, towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. We then extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. We hold the contemplative mind open to the extra-planetary energy streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Reflect on the seed thought. Let the will to love fire the entire world with a spirit of relationship. precipitation. Using the creative imagination, we visualize the energy of light, love and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love As a sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. We refocus the consciousness of the group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, Will outward move from that center? I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. We visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. Distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, we visualize the outpouring of light and loving and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. into the hearts of men, may Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh Well, thank you all for our group service this evening. We're of course working well within the flow of the peak of the full moon, which is at quarter past nine tonight. So maybe we'll just get home, home in time to link up. Our next meeting is the new moon meeting in the library of the Trust at 6.30 on Friday, the 1st of July. You're most welcome to attend. And it will be followed by the Cancer Full Moon meeting on Thursday, the 14th of July, here at the Grosvenor. However, the following two meetings, that's Leo and Virgo, the Full Moon meetings, that is, will be held at the library in the Lucifer Trust, um, because apparently the hotel is doing some renovation work on the rooms. So thank you for coming this evening, and good night.